0: Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. Today we are recording episode number 198, getting super close to that big number of 200. And as you guys have probably figured out, we are in the middle of launching our 19th cohort of the Ops Authorities Certification Program, the Director of Operations Certification. So if you're here and you're interested and you're listening in because, and you've hung around us for these 198 episodes and you have an inkling that you desire to become your next best self by leveraging those operational gifts and skills that you have, then this is the time to take a look at the certification program. I have a guest with us today who came through a couple rounds ago as an employee. So I would love for you to listen in, get a better understanding. We take it very, very seriously for you to make a decision that feels the best for you. I don't want to rush you into anything. I mean, this is a decision because you're going to make a commitment for about five and a half months and it's got to be right for your career, right for your family. And it's got to just be something That you're on fire for. So, by sharing these episodes with you guys, we want you to gather more information. We know you're fact finder. So, we want you to have all the information so that you can make a strong yes to this. If you are in that place where you are curious, then I want you to go over to directorofops.com. You can also head over to the opsauthority.com and learn a little bit more about the certification. If you're ready to apply, then you'll see an application button on there. And this is your call. This is the time to do that because we are gonna be starting round 19 very, very shortly. In effort of us getting clear and also to highlight some of the star students that we have that come through this program, I have a guest with us today. Her name is Regina Vigil, and she's a fellow Texan, but someone who came through our program quite recently. I want to share her official bio with you, but more importantly, I want to invite you to a conversation that we're going to have. We talked ahead of this, and we're like, we're just going to do this conversation style. So that's what you're going to get today. But first... Regina is the operations manager at David Peck, a women's custom ready-to-wear and gifts boutique and atelier in Houston, Texas. She's the owner of Narwhal Sonata, through which she creates artistic pillows and textile sculptures. This gal is a perfect blend. We're gonna dive into this in a little bit on having that visionary and super highly creative coupled with the gift of operations. And I think that that is super, super cool. We're gonna be able to, If that is you and you're like, yes, I'm super creative and I also have this gift of operations, you're going to identify with Regina and we'll talk more about that in a second. She's got a background in operations management for arts nonprofits, including the Lawndale Arts Center and Writers in the Schools in Houston. She studied creative writing at the University of Houston, where she helped found the undergraduate literary journal Glass Mountain and the Boldface Writing Conference. Her poetry has appeared in Indiana Review and Gigantic Sequins. She went on to study fashion design, and her designs have been featured in several art galleries, including the Museum of Fine Arts Houston, and she's won several awards, including the 2021 Fashion Group International Dallas's Creative Director's Choice Award. So I am so excited to introduce you to Regina today. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So we have your your official and professional bio, but I'd love to know the Regina who joined us in the certification. And not that they're all that different, but you know that bio is very much artistic and creative, the fashion design. Obviously, you're working with David, who is, I know when you joined us, I went, really, really deep in all of his work because I just, I was super intrigued and interested in that. But, you know, you've got this really creative background. When did you start to see yourself as an operator in your journey?
1: Super recently, in fact, that wasn't my track. And what's interesting is that wasn't how I saw myself because mm-hmm. I was an artist, you know, and I still am. That creative side to my life is extremely important to me in terms of my identity and like how I interact with the world. So I was in school for fashion design, winning all these awards. And, you know, my plan was I want to create my own fashion line. You know, I watched Project Runway and that was it. However, really this job with David Peck is what changed my course a little bit because like I did have management skills, you know, I, you know, that work I did with Lawndale and writers in the schools, but it just wasn't my passion at the time, I just wasn't feeling it. It didn't feel like the right place for me. And again, I wanted to be an artist Mm -hmm. and there's that old cliche, like about a starving artist. And, you know, that was what I did. I waited tables for years and years, absolutely hating every moment of it. But that was because, you know, I had to live for my passion So I started my internship with David Peck. I was an unpaid intern, like hand sewing beads onto the front of wedding dresses for some really high profile clients. That was very exciting and fun. Within six months, I was number two in the company. (laughs) That was crazy because one, it became clear that like my sewing skills were a little slow because I'm a little too perfectionist and methodical for actually like making sales. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also he was looking for a personal assistant at the time because he needed help managing his own schedule. And he knew I had that background and it was kind of like this. We were both like, like I was like, well, I'm not sure if I should be asking about this, but like, I think I would be good there. And he's like, well, I knew your background, so I wanted to ask. And it just worked out perfectly. And within a couple months, it became clear that I needed to manage more than his schedule. Like the the management I was doing in production was like more important than putting things on his calendar. David is a very creative person and, you know, he's very CEO visionary type. He has all of these wonderful ideas and he was even able to create some fairly good, like really good structures. He wasn't able to get anyone to follow them. Because he was so busy designing the gowns and running the company, just he can't do everything by himself. And then it was like five or six employees, I think. But when I came in, I just kind of naturally fit into that role and was able to take these things he'd want to do for years and like start implementing them. And so he put me in the ops authority because his masterminds class heard about it. And We didn't really know what he was getting me into at the time. Like, I remember filling out the application in like 30 minutes, and then finding out after the fact that it wasn't an automatic thing. I could have failed, and I know I could have failed. I was like, "Oh no!" Like, I just like doing it really quick, thinking I was just signing up for something, and realizing after, like, "Oh my God, you signed me up for this thing that is like a huge deal and like a big commitment." and I'm really glad we didn't know at the time because there's just never time, you know? And like, it was crazy doing this and working at the same time, but I'm really glad we didn't know because the things I learned, all of like the little improvements I was making, it just like catapulted it next level. And in this role, I realized that like there were untruths I had told myself for years I thought I was not an organized person. I thought I was not structured and logical because you can't be creative and that, you know? And if I have to choose, I'm going to choose the Mm -hmm. messy artistic version. And that's an absolute lie. Like I cannot make my art waiting tables and starving. I'm miserable and broke and working all the time. Like my job I have now gives me the freedom to make the artistic pieces I want without having to worry about selling them or marketing them. I can just do what I love and love it.
0: And, oh, I, I can, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna chat this up right now. But first of all, kudos for David seeing something in you. Even before his mastermind recommended you in here, which of course I'm thankful for, But he saw something different in you, whether it was the perfectionistic, you know, Regina, who was a little bit slower in sewing on, you know, beads and all. But he saw something, whether it was partnership, whether it was just personality, whether it was growth and development, whether it was just friendship. And I don't know the answer to those questions, but he saw another part of you. Like he went, I I just commend him as a leader for seeing deeper because so many people give up on people in their companies because they don't have the time, the capacity or the interest in really seeing and taking them, you know, outside of that first layer that we tend to see. And so I, you know, I applaud great leaders. And I think that David is, I don't even know this man, but I know him from our experience and working together and of course the natural (laughs) fact finding that I did on my own, but I really am grateful for the leader that he is. And then of course for trusting me to help upskill his company through the two of us, you know, partnering together and working to get you some additional skills that of course in turn help him in his company. So I love all of that. I also want to comment on the piece that you mentioned where you You know, you've got this highly creative side, and that's the side that probably brings you a lot of natural joy. When we talk about innate gifts and passion, you know, if you put all this on the table, all the skills that you have, you're going to gravitate towards that creative side. And that's perfectly okay. Most all of us have a side that we're going to gravitate to. But underneath that one area or that one passion, when you start to break it apart, I'm always perplexed at people who are, I mean, we've had medical doctors who've come through our program. We have had loads of teachers, loads of nurses, you know, we've had creatives come through this program. And when you pull it back, whatever that gift and passion is, when you pull it back, in most cases, you will see there's a method, there's a process that has to be followed for you to be excellent at what your passion is. And so as you were talking, I'm visualizing Regina sitting there sewing on or creating these amazing pieces. I mean, think about just sewing in general, right? If anyone who has unfortunately, I feel like the art of sewing is getting further and further away from these generations, but it's still a fact and it's still something that happens out there. But you think about this. I remember my family, my mother, you know, sewing as a young child, you cut out patterns, right? You can't make a crappy pattern to become a wonderful piece. It all starts like in the very early pieces of that process. And there's a huge process that goes into any production. So, you know, yes, you're highly creative, but yes, for you to be that consummate professional to win awards, you follow an incredible process. And so does David, right? So he was seeing that partnership. I believe that he was seeing that partnership in you. So- I believe that you can be creative and you can also be very process oriented. And most of us are going to take a lot of pride. If you're a creative, you're going to take a lot of pride, a lot more pride in that finished product. And that finished product requires creativity because I don't have that piece. I would be really strong. You know, if you and I were partnering together, I'm going to be really strong in the back office stuff. And I'm going to have to leave the creative stuff over to you. You have a superpower where you have both of those pieces here. And I'm so glad that you were able to see the gift of operations, even if it was a little bit later and accidental in time. So really, really cool story, Regina. And I thank you for sharing that with all of us, because there are people that are listening today that are like, oh, I'm not an operator because I'm really creative, right? We've had jewelry makers, we've had photographers, we've had a lot of artistic people come through this program. I won't say a lot, a lot. It's not the most common path for people. And truly, it's because they see themselves
1: as creative and not operators. And what I think is interesting, because I did always see a dichotomy, it was always this or that. That's not true at all. Like, I think, yes, the logical management side does strongly inform my artwork, like the dress that one the award i had hand cut these paillette sequins out of photographs and then glued them all back to back arranged them by color and then basically painted them onto the dress and then hand sewed them all on like that took an incredible amount of project management to, um, it was like thousands of hours worth of work. It was crazy. Yes, But that's the kind of thing I enjoy doing, something with a very strong process. But also the inverse is true. I think in order to, you know, when we're doing project management or coming up with solutions within a structure, there is amount of creativity on that, you know? Like how do I fit these puzzle pieces together? And so it's not like, I'm doing this boring non-creative thing all day so that I get to go be creative later. I actually enjoy the creativity that comes from my operations manager duties because I do have to come up with things that other people aren't seeing and take all these different little pieces and seeing how all the information fits together to make the best you know, solution, like how we're gonna get through this in the best process. Yeah. And then you
0: couple the leadership skills, the people skills on top of this other skill that you already have. And I'm sure that's what David saw too, to be able to lead his company and to get him the right kind of support. Because I mean, when you came into this, he was really looking for support for him. And then that bled over into the company because if you'll win for him, why would you not win for the company? And so I love all of this. I always tell people that you know, they come to me and they feel a lot of people in the certification will come to me and will say, oh, I'm not creative at all. And oh, I'm hiring, you know, this marketing person because I'm not creative. And I'm like, oh, stop the narrative. Like a lot of the work that you're doing is actually creative. I mean, coming up with processes is a creative piece of work, you know? I mean, it's different than what we think of from an artistic perspective, but the mind, the way that the mind is working through this is a creative process. And so we're all creative. I always tell people, oh my goodness, like you're not a hundred percent right brain and zero percent left brain. Like there is a combination here and it's going to be different from person to person. I think someone like you has a much higher, you're higher on both sides. Whereas my natural creative abilities are pretty mediocre, but <laughs> you know, when you're talking, Regina, I'm thinking of I went crazy in my 20s before I had children. I went crazy with beading and jewelry making. And then that bled over into scrapbooking. And then it bled over into photography. All of those things were very, very big in my 20s and and even into my 30s. I wish that they were still there today, to be honest. But kids have filled that time. And I was really good at them because I believe that like operators in general, we will find something and we will study it. So much so that we can become at least mediocre, if not great at whatever it is that we're doing. But I think about photography, and this is the picture that came up in my mind. I think about photography, and I got to be pretty good to the point where I was like, man, should I like change my whole path here? Should I get out of project management? Because this was bringing me so much joy. I loved interacting with the people. I love the success, the kind of instant success that I would get from doing this. But it wasn't just the instant, it's not the photo, right? It was the whole process. It was learning how to take photos. It was learning how to operate a camera. It was learning how to edit. You know, there's so many different pieces that go into that finished product, even though it looks like it's, you know, a snap of a finger and, and you've got this beautiful product on the other side. It was, man, I use all of my analytical, logical, methodical skills to turn out that beautiful end product of the photos that still sit around my house. And now I wish I still did it so I could have even more photos instead of paying thousands of dollars for them. But being a creative, you have a, a love of systems and call it perfection, call it the pursuit of getting something so right that you have just a super quality product on the other end. And like you said, the inverse is true. If you're not highly creative, you can leverage those process skills to get to you know a passion that you really love. You see this in sports, you see this in art, you see it all the time. So I love your perspective. When, when you Came through the program, I remember you right away from strategic mapping, you were like, okay, I'm going to take this back to David. I don't really know how this is going to work with him because he's not probably gone through a process like this. But I remember you being very action-oriented, like you learned and you went to work almost right out of the gate, which is always, you know, it's a win for both of us because you start to put this work into action. How did David, I'm going to kind of go through the process chronologically of you coming through our program you came through you learned the strategic mapping first how did david take that first like introduction of the new
1: regina's skill set into his business pretty well actually like i think there was like a tiny bit of reticence for like a second you know because there was a bit of a shift at that point because before that, it was very much like I was coming up with solutions and things for him, but he was very much leading everything mm-hmm. and telling me um, what to do. And at that point, I was I was like, okay, well, you paid for this program so that I can learn these skills. I'm going to really need to lead on this. And like, of course, he still has final say in everything. It's not like I tell him what to do. But very much that was when I think, you know, one of the biggest changes was during one of the classes, you had said that it's important to have a weekly CEO report and like time to go over that. So at that point, I instituted a weekly meeting with David. I mean, we talk all day long, but I was like, no, this is our time. And this is when I'm going to deliver this report to you. And actually, that was when I started tracking KPIs for the first time and then having the staff say, okay, Friday at two, your KPIs are due. You're going to turn them in every week by this time. So that way on Monday, I have everything I need to where first I have my list of all of the things I've completed, all the things on my plate. David has a space to highlight what is high priority for him. We talk about the last week and then our game plan for the next week. And then also having those quarterly strategic mapping meetings. Okay, what projects did we finish? What do we have coming? And so that was really when like my management skills took off. And he's he's very grateful. (laughs) <laughs> like, I think that reticence comes from like not being able to count on things being done in the past, you know, like having years of half started projects that just got pushed aside, you know, there was a little worry <laughs> in handing the ball. But then once we set that up and then we also ended up creating departmental meetings for him to have. So Mondays, he's like in meetings all day and that is something that hadn't happened in the past before and we talk about doing something like that and it kind of happened but the fact that like we take it seriously now and this is how we operate so much more is getting done so no he's very on board with yeah. it and it's,
0: it's been great so tell me what your role i know how you started in the company we've shared that already but what does it look like today on a day-to-day basis? How many people are you managing? What is the company looking like? Like what kind of changes have you guys been able to make?
1: So we went from about six to about 20. So- Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little growth. Yeah. Our departments at the time, we only had two departments. It was production and sales. And then there was David. And then there was me. And then there was Joey. And so now we have operations, production, sales, and marketing. They're distinct departments and they have set ways to communicate with each other. My days are crazy. I'm like a little SOP machine. We have a lot of like procedures that have not been standardized. And so creating standardized processes for everything and then implementing them, training on them, correcting them, that's a huge part of it. We have been growing a lot. And so scaling is a big part of my job. Like right before we got on here, it was like checking my little Indeed things because I am the HR department. Yes. (laughs) I will say one thing about our company because of the size and because of my ability to, I also got kind of pushed back over events a little bit, which was a sales thing, but it wasn't getting managed Properly. So I had to kind of take it back over, and I'm creating templates and retraining so that I can get back out of it again. Because uh, off. Yeah. So I will say that scope creep is something that I've pretty much given up on because it's just required of me to be wearing a lot more hats. Like the other day, I sewed a Fascinator. For a client, because we needed to make one real quick, and I know how, and I was here, so it just happened. But one thing that was a huge problem for me, because you know, scope creep, we're not addressing it, we're just not. But David put his foot down on time creep like, okay, yeah, my job does force me to kind of do a lot of things outside of what my role is and what I'm hired and paid to do. However, I don't go over my hours and I don't work on the weekends. If I work on the weekend, I take it off during the week. I was burning myself out crazy, trying to do like a full-time job on top of my full-time job. And he's like, no, we're just going to accept that until we finish scaling, things aren't going to be done all the time. And that's okay. We can push things back as we need to. And that way... That was really the only way we could address it because it's just impossible for me to stay within my parameters of my role. Yeah, I really do respect him as a leader
0: and just to be able to see that. So when you talk about scope creep, like I always say it's the hardest thing to ever abolish because it is almost a fact of life and especially in these small businesses. Now we do a lot of things and I do a lot of teaching and it's heartfelt teaching because I know that scope creep can make us miserable, right? But I find that the number one thing that people are trying to avoid in scope creep, there's actually, there's two really strong ones. But first of all, is when your time is not respected. So if scope creep, meaning that you're gonna do a duty that is not necessarily within your job description right now, but you're capable of doing it, you know, yes, there is a bleed of scope there, but the biggest violation is when, you are working outside of your own time boundaries because we have lives. I don't care what that life looks like, right? You still have lives, you still have, and you need to rejuvenate. You need that self-care. And so when our time is violated, that's sometimes just the hardest heartbreak and deal breaker in respect for your leader, for your company, for your brand, and that can be very, very poisonous. So while it sounds like you're in a place where the bleed of task may come up every now and again, he is on board with, you know what, you work here X amount of hours a week and and I'm going to honor that and be realistic that when I said I respect his leadership, that's what I'm talking about because... I think that as humans and as a workforce, as an economy, I think it's just really, really important for us to come back to that. We know that in the U.S. we work crazy hours compared to other, to others, and we need to normalize that. And so I'm all in on David Peck <laughs> for, for seeing that. And then there's a part here, and let's just be truthful. I mean, we're talking to you as an employee inside of a company, and I can say the same thing for employees inside of my company. And being a highly, highly, highly efficient operator and capable operator, I mean, we create job descriptions and we we work them, right? Like, that's what I do. That's what I teach. And I can still tell you, there are times inside of our company where Alex has to flex a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to make, you know, have her doing like graphics or something completely outside of her wheelhouse. But if it's something that is just a stretch for a short moment, because we've got to get it done. She's okay doing that. And it's not, I'm not uncomfortable asking her because it is a one off situation. And that may be the difference in an employee role versus an independent contractor role. So, you know, the all in mentality is not, I never want it to be like you're all in. So you'll mop the floors and you'll make a graphic and you'll, you know, do all of these things that are just really, really far outside of what your gifts are. But sometimes we do have to take a little bit of a step. And, Lean companies will require that. The idea that that's just never going to be present. I mean, it it wasn't present in corporate when I was working alongside 36,000 people. So, inside of a company with 20 people, I mean, it's, you know, you're definitely going to see that. But I can appreciate the honesty of scope creep is going to happen from a task perspective and really respect that he sees the time appreciation and time value for what it is. And so, good for you because I'm sure. He sounds like a very logical person, thank goodness. And it sounds like you've been able to have conversations because those conversations about you know where it is and, and the honest conversations don't just benefit you and David and y'all's relationship. It benefits the other 18 people that are working inside of his company. How has the leadership piece been? Have you dealt with, I mean, you said you were the HR department, so you've been growing it. You've been hiring, maybe even you know letting go of some people. Designing the different departments is something that we talk about inside of the certification. And so I hope that that has been helpful as you have built this. It's, I know that in the stages of scaling small companies, there's a lot of S's there, (laughs) that, you know, it's very iterative. We don't get it right all the time because we don't have a perfect path in front of us but it takes a lot of work. i mean there's a lot of mind space and time that goes into building of this and that's just one part. the other part is leading these people every single week, developing the leaders of these different
1: functions. how has that been? <laughs> i think that has been my greatest challenge because i'm not necessarily the best people person. i mean i get along with people, we get along, that's fine. but leading them has been the greatest learning curve for me because I myself am a very efficient person. And so, you know, if there's a task to do, okay, let's do it. And if there's, if something went wrong, okay, who did it wrong? Okay, how do we fix it? Okay, great. And learning that people have feelings (laughs) and people have different communication styles. I will say, like I did have one employee that we were butting heads for months. It was really difficult. I didn't know what was happening. It felt... I was being disrespected and then realizing after having conversations and having to work through it, realizing that my style of communication, she was interpreting as disrespect when it was the opposite. Like for me, if I come and tell you, okay, this is what I want done. This is how to do it. And that's it. I'm talking to you like an adult. I expect that you can take the information and go like, to me, that is respect. But for her... So it's very used to like please and thank you and how are you feeling and a very different. And it wasn't even that either of us had to change. Once we understood that the other person wasn't meaning anything negative, then it was much easier to communicate between us. And so like those soft skills that we went over and stuff, like that is a huge area that I have to like go back and sometimes like re-listen to those particular podcast things (laughs) Yeah, I get in my own head and I'm so project oriented and systems oriented but the systems are made up of people it's people doing the systems and so that's yeah that's been and I think
0: communication is the part of leadership that never leaves right Mm -hmm. it's the most challenging for sure absolutely for sure and it's we're also different right And we have different skills, we have different gifts, we have different communication styles. And you as the leader, someone who feels responsible for the development, everybody in the business has to make a concerted effort in those areas I just talked about. But you as the leader... I think that the responsibility falls even more so on you because you want it to be functional. You don't want turnover. You want this person to be engaged. You want this person to do their job. Let's talk about that. <laughs> you know, and we can be very black and white. Like, hey, this is this is what we see that needs to get done. Why is it not done? And I've been frustrated on that same exact topic for years, right? It's like we know you've got these 10 things and we'll get to the, you know, middle or end of the project or up against a milestone. And it's like really, why is this not done? (laughs) You know, it's so easy. All it is, is da, 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 da. And, you know, for whatever reason, whatever's going on in their life, whatever, I mean, there's so many, it's just leading people. Leading people can be very, very complex. And so, I was curious to see how that nav I mean, when you go from six to 20 people, Regina, you have had to flex your leadership <laughs> in a way that a lot of people won't maybe never have to do because just the sheer quantity. I mean, that's a huge, huge growth, 300% growth. That's a
1: lot. Well, one thing that has helped tremendously has been during our weekly staff meetings. It's always in the past been just logistics and numbers and what's going on, but we have added a soft skills component to it. Like right now, what we're doing is like some things have been like podcasts. We've assigned podcasts and then come back and have discussions on it right now, we are going through and reading all of Atomic Habits together. And so like just the last 15 minutes of the meeting, we just like read through it. Everyone reads a couple paragraphs and then we talk about what we take away from it. And I think that is just giving us a common language
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that seems to be helping. Yeah, I love that you're
0: bringing that soft piece into this. Another win for having you there. So where do you think your future is gonna, What what are you looking forward to?
1: My future, I feel, is right here and elsewhere because David does have plans to grow the company significantly. We're planning to grow it underneath us. And so that is really exciting, like to learn more leadership and then how to really, you know, I'm the operations manager just because we're still really small, but planning to grow into the director of operations as we grow a bigger organization. And so I'm really excited about that. And then also like continuing my art projects on the side. And like, even though I do fashion, I really am more interested in like gallery pieces, you know, statement pieces. And so just focusing on that as well. So yeah, just basically what I'm doing now, only more and bigger and better. Love it, Regina.
0: Well, you're a great testament of how an employee can come through this program and take the information here and put it back into the company. I think that I mean, it's just a different perspective than being a business builder, right? You're not thinking about the marketing of yourself or the marketing of your business or what kind of offer you're going to have. You're coming in, taking this information and putting it right back into the company. And so for a lot of our employees, it's really cool because you get, you do the case studies in the program, but then you're able to actually practice them in the company. And that allows your leader to be able to see you in a different light quite quickly. And you kind of, pointed to that earlier in this conversation when, you know, you were learning and David was a little bit, you know, hesitant to, to put some of this into play and then realized, Hey, goodness gracious, we've got something great here. And I know that it has allowed you guys to continue to move forward and you personally to move forward. So I love all of that. Thank you so much for all that you gave. You were such an awesome participant. I know I don't need to tell the whole world this, but you were such an awesome participant. And even in your time with us as a student in the certification, I know things got really busy with David and it's hard to balance the certification alongside the employer, but having the employer on board like David was... I'm sure gave you the space and grace that you needed to dip in and out and just manage the workload because, you know, ultimately your job is there, but as an employee, you have the ability to come back to this material. And I'm just grateful that you were able to start strong, finish strong, and get a whole, hopefully get a whole lot out of this that, that benefits you and David.
1: Oh yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. No, it has been so fantastic And the reason I was able to run with it so quickly was because, you know, I had already had challenges that I was like, I don't know what to do about this. And then I would go to my, you know, meeting and then like there were the solutions right there. And it's like, oh, thank you. Let me write that down. I need to put that in right there because like the problems were already there waiting for the solution. So that was awesome.
0: And that's why we really prefer people to have at least two years of experience, because when you come in and you've got those issues, those situations, those behaviors that you've had to deal with but didn't know how to, now you've got the solution, so you run a lot faster. And if you're brand new to this, it's like you just absorb, absorb, absorb. And we all know that you learn through action. And so having the history and knowing and having a solution, being able to do something with it is is awesome. Any advice you would have for another person who is in your same place, an employee in a company and looking to take the certification or to the CEO who may be considering putting their operator into this program?
1: I would say absolutely do it, like immediately. And start implementing as soon as you can because it really does make a huge difference. I talked to like some friends who have like small businesses and when I talked to them about strategic mapping and I mean, I don't have time to do it for them. (laughs) You know, like just trying to get them to understand how much it helps get clarity Mm -hmm. and how that clarity really does create momentum instantly. When I first started this, I thought, oh, I'm going to learn things that I can maybe um, implement in the future. You know, I thought when I'm done with this, I'm going to see how I can implement it. And that was completely unnecessary. There was obvious places where it would benefit the company immediately. Yeah, I love
0: it. And we try to put it in a chronological way so that you can, you know, build up And to us, it's very logical (laughs) in the skills that you're going to use and the disciplines and the way that we teach them. So I'm just glad that you came here. I'm glad that David supported you in doing this, that he took the initiative to make that happen. If you are a CEO and listening to this, and you came here because you were curious what it may look like to have an employee that you already have inside of your company, something to take away from this conversation is that David really trusted Regina, he trusted her in the role. In their partnership, and you can, that is evident in hopefully this entire conversation, but definitely from behind the scenes of what I knew from Regina when she joined, he was all in on her. He trusted her. Their relationship was good. They had good communication. And so if you have that person inside of your company who also has operational skills, then I would tell you that this is a very comfortable place. And employers love handing off their superstars to us to train them because like David and like other leaders, most people don't have either the time, the interest, or the skill themselves to train a high-level operator. They can nurture them from a personal perspective, but giving them the applicable skills to bring their company to the next level is clearly missing. Otherwise, they would be doing it themselves. And so, We take it upon ourselves and put a lot of interest in making sure that the employees are supported in the right ways so that you get your return on investment as you are investing in both of us, both them and the ops authority and enhancing your company. So, If that's the person who's listening today, I hope that this conversation has been great. And then of course, on the other side of this, if you're an employee and you're thinking, man, I need to bring this to my CEO because I'm ready to take this to the next level. I'm in a place where I trust, where I wanna be here. This is what I wanna do for the next at least couple of years and you're just wishing you had either the structure, the frameworks, or the development, the leadership support, then I can tell you that this would be something that I would talk, encourage you to speak to your leader about. So, all righty, friends, we are gonna be wrapping up with round 19 very shortly. So if you are ready to apply, then definitely do that. You can head over to directorofops.com to do that. Regina, thank you again for being here. It was so great to see you. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Ladies, you guys will hear from me next week. And until then, have a great day and let's do some big things.